is going on baseball fans welcome back to this week in baseball season two episode four i am your host jordan lazowski i've got another great crew on with me we've got a couple uh new faces to the podcast will arvin and jonathan roy and a returning face thatcher zalewski boys how we doing tonight fantastic (laughs) very enthusiastic i appreciate that (laughs) could be better if the socks won but could have been better if the Sox didn't have such a rough day today in general. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah. But. Cardinals Cardinals got the old sweep of the Pirates. Feeling pretty good about that. Nice end to your week, Jonathan. Your, I can't believe I just called you Jonathan. J-Roy yeah, is, that- is rocking an excellent beard right now if you're not watching it live. Um, thank you, Wes. Thank you. You know, Phillies are trying to ruin my weekend, but, you know, that's just how it goes. <laughs> What's the score of that game? I don't even have it on. 8-4, top eight, two outs. All right, so they are trying to ruin your weekend. So hopefully we can bring you a little fun in the form of a seventh inning stretch. Maybe I'll let you win this one. Who knows? Uh, probably not. But <laughs> Hey, you, you owe me from last season. I don't know if you remember. I, I probably do owe you quite a bit from last <laughs> season. I, I probably did not treat you too well. <laughs> we've got a good show as usual. We'll start with the standings updates. Um, we'll let each of our panelists here give us their 60-second recap of what happened around the league if – you missed something, they're going to cover it for you. We'll go into our usual seventh inning stretch, seven questions about various topics. Each of these wonderful gentlemen gives their opinion. And then we wrap up and we tell you what we're watching this week and what we think you should be watching this week. But let's jump right into it. If the season ended today, here's what the standings would look like. The AL East would be won by the Boston Red Sox. The AL Central, the Royals still stand at the top. The Oakland Athletics, after their rough start to the season, are now in first place in the AL West. The two wildcard teams out there would be the Chicago White Sox and the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners continuing to stay in things. The Blue Jays, the Yankees, those teams are not far behind out there, however. In the National League, the Nationals at just 500 are in first in the NL East. The Phillies right behind them, of course. In the NL Central, the Brewers have a one-game lead over the Cardinals. And the Giants, shockingly, are your leading team in the NL West. Your two wildcard teams out there would be the Dodgers, no surprise there, and the Cardinals. So three of our four panelists here have teams in the playoffs right now. I'll give you guys a chance to just comment anything you heard based on the standings. I think the biggest thing for me is I had to do a double take when I was saying the Giants are on top the NL West right now. I'm surprised the Padres aren't the second wild card team right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the Cardinals are playing we're better than them right now. Cardinals are a half game ahead yep. of the Padres right now. It's still a very tight race amongst both the AL and the NL, um, as it should be at this point. But yeah, I think we're just starting to hit that stretch where it's still very much small sample size season, mm-hmm. but things are starting to look like they're going to stabilize a little bit. So we'll see how many of these teams are kind of for real and how many are just, you know, on a hot streak right now. And that's what you have a lot of fun talking about that first month is, hey, what's real, what isn't? And now as we turn the calendar to May, now you start trying to figure out, okay, now we see who's real, who's not. And that's both on the um, individual player side as well as the team side in both cases. I'm very intrigued with the National East because the Nationals, as you said, Laz, the only team at 500 in the National League Mm and their first place. The Phillies, the Mets, and the Braves all expected to have a good season so far. All under 500, and the Braves are now fourth in the National League East. So 
I don't know if that's real or not, or it just seems like all these NLEs teams are just kind of beating up on each other and eventually yeah. one of the teams going to break it out. And you even look at those standings, you got even the last place Marlins just two and a half games out. It, it, no, no one's pulled away yet as evidenced by the fact that the leader out there is 500. So Jay Roy, maybe some uh, good news for you at the end of the day, when it comes to that, you as a Phillies fan, of course. Lord willing, man, Lord willing. <laughs> Let's jump into around the league in 60 seconds. We'll let each of these guys go. Tell us what we might've missed, what you should have seen throughout the league. And if you didn't, they're going to recap it for you. We will start. Where do I want to start? We'll start with J Roy. What do you got for this week? What are your big news topics from around the week? Awesome. Week? Yeah. So the Dodgers, you know, been sliding lately. They continued that slide. They've lost seven of their last 10. I think that's pretty shocking. They have one of the best lineups of all time. I expect that to turn around pretty quickly, but it, you know, it is kind of interesting. Uh, like we just mentioned, the NLA East has continued to be the most mediocre division in the major leagues. There's no team that's really terrible. There's not a good team in that division yet so far either, though. Uh, Chris Bryant is the hottest player in Major League Baseball right now, which has excited me a lot. Uh, he hit his eighth and ninth home runs of the season today, bringing his way to runs created plus up to 195. I think we could, we might be seeing, you know, a repeat of 2016 potential MVP season from Chris Bryant. Uh, we're going to talk about it later, but Bryce got hit in the face that caused, you know, a lot of uproar and stuff. And Alvarado got suspended three games for inciting a bench is clear and brawl. Uh, Phillies will appeal that. And I think it's interesting. The Red Sox have continued to outperform expectations a little bit. I don't think a lot of people expected them to be in the lead in that division. And, you know, it might not last long, but I do think it is interesting now just because everyone likes to meme the Red Sox for losing Mookie and all that. But, uh, you know, they're, they're looking really strong so far. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Chris Bryant and I know you're a huge fan of his. I think that's been a very interesting comeback. I think there are a lot of people, riding him off and you're starting to see now it's usually not a great idea to write mm-hmm. off a former MVP. Um, we'll that's- see how hot he can be, but at the same time, that's a solid month of baseball and then some for him. Thatcher, what you got for the week? All right. So like Jerry said, there was a few uh, bench clearing incidents this past week and I like them. <laughs> Straight up, I like them. <laughs> uh, I mean, not during. I mean, during COVID season might not be the best thing, but hey, I I like the bunch of clearing stuff. Um, the Royals are somehow still the first place team in the AL Central, which I know on the first week of the podcast I said that I don't think they're for real, and somehow here we are, week four, and they're still in first place. So. We'll see how long that continues. The Yankees are starting to finally heat things up after at one point in the season having the worst record in I know the American League and even maybe baseball. So no one should be surprised that they're finally starting to put things together. We saw great performances from Kluber and Tyon just these past two days. And just overall, the AL is kind of a wildfire right now. No one's really set in stone in the standings. and Everything's moving back and forth. But like Jayward said, hopefully in these coming weeks, we start seeing things stabilize. And then with the NL, I just got the Dodgers are cooling down, which is surprising considering people had them maybe even breaking the win total record this year. And now they're kind of slowing down and on a losing skit a bit. And then other NL teams such as the Brewers and Giants are starting to go on runs, which 
I'm su- not surprised by the Brewers because that whole division could be was basically up for grabs except for the Pirates. And the Giants are a surprising team. Be interesting to see if they stay a contender or not. Giants pitching has been incredible. And mm-hmm. I, I think even as you mentioned some of the American League side, some of those names that are that, that were struggling early on in the season, the Yankees, even the Twins are starting to climb back and fight back a little bit. You, it's going to be interesting to see when things sort of quote unquote stabilize as we think they were supposed to be at the beginning of the season. No one's really pulling away in either, um, in either division, um, or in either league, excuse me, in any division, really. Um, no, yeah, not a lot of we can tell on who's going to be steamrolling the league right now, and which makes it fun. Will, what you got? Uh, so right now, the St. Louis Cardinals are the hottest team in Major League Baseball. 8-2 record in their last 10 games. Uh, thankfully, carried by their pitching staff, which has been better than expected. Uh, the offense still has a lot of work to do. It seems like they only want to produce runs for Jack Flaherty and no other starting pitcher in our rotation. Uh, but Cardinals are going on a bit of a run right now. Uh, when you're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's kind of easy to do that. Uh, but had a tough series against the Phillies, uh, back to the NL East. And I think this is pretty interesting besides the Miami Marlins who have a plus four run differential. Uh, everybody else in the national league East has a minus 13 run differential or less, uh, not good. And then back to what y'all were saying about the American league East. I think this is probably going to be the most competitive division in baseball when it comes to the end of the season, because the Red Sox, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Rays are all four teams that look like they could be playoff teams but there's only three playoff spots grabbed out of those four teams. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be odd one out. Yeah. I think, you know, when you, when you look at the Cardinals, it's like, that is a team that they're always competing. They're, they're a team that when you see them playing well and competing for a division, you should not be surprised. I know. And then out there, the Brewers will probably give them the closest competition throughout the year. But I think that'll be a fun division. AL East is shaping up to be the most competitive, like you're saying, because, if the Red Sox stay in it and you knew coming in, the Blue Jays and Rays were going to be there, that's four out of the five teams that are competing for a, a division championship there. And that's the kind of return to form for baseball that so many who are anti-tanking would like to see is more teams being competitive all throughout the year. And even the Baltimore Orioles, where teams are kind of, that kind of write them off, they're, mm-hmm. now they might not be competitive towards the end of the season, but I mean, right now they're only three and a half half games back and it seems like the american league is just switching spots pretty much every day mm-hmm. i think that's that, key that's too. a crazy it's... stat oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead Laz. oh no i was gonna say okay, go yeah, I, was, I was gonna say that's a crazy stat about the marlins having the only positive run differential in the nl east though because yeah. they're last place in the division yeah, if you're i mean that's why i i like run differential and i think it's something you need to be paying attention to early on though it's it's like you, you stand there and you're like wait that really just happened is that really what's going on right now and i i think that is a really cool set right there let's jump into seventh inning stretch because i think you guys covered it you cover most of the big topics here and the other ones you didn't cover we're already going to be talking about in these seven questions so you know the drill i ask you seven questions you each give me your responses and I arbitrarily award points. And I think in future weeks, we'll change this up a little bit. We'll do something a little different. Uh, we've got some exciting things planned for this week in baseball, but we're sticking with the same rules as usual. I think, Will, this is your first time ever. So good luck to you on this. I'm not necessarily fair, and that's okay. That's good. But here we go. First question, inning number one. This week, 
Rockies GM Jeff Burdich stepped down and was reassigned in the organization. Let's pretend each of you is the new Rockies GM. What are three moves you'd make to start this team down the right path again? Because as is very evidenced by some of the deals this offseason, especially Rockies aren't in a good place right now. We'll start with Jay Roy. What you got? Uh, yeah. So if I'm, if I'm the Rockies GM, I'm, I'm tearing everything down, you know, I'm, I'm mm. starting fresh. I'm getting rid of anyone that's of any value. So first move I would make, I would get a Trevor story. I would ship him off somewhere. I would maybe ship him to Philadelphia Phillies and they could, might be able to throw a package together for him. You know, maybe Spencer Howard, a couple other first rounders, you know, they do have some decent prospects in that system. Maybe throw Scott Kingery in there because I wouldn't really mind seeing him go too much. Uh, you know, so that, that could be a potential move. Uh, I think uh, that could work for both teams. We could see. And I think Herman Marquez getting shipped is another really, really uh, likely thing, honestly. I think, I think the Angels would be a really interesting spot for him because I do think they have a bunch of different pieces they can move for him. Maybe Jared Walsh, maybe Reed Detmers, the, uh, you know, the – the big wig prospect they got last year from the draft that every Angels fan seems to be in love with. Uh, and maybe even someone like Joe Adele, I think that that could be a really, really interesting move. You know, maybe uh, throw some packages together around any one of those players for Herman Marquez, who is, you know, a really, really talented pitcher. I think also maybe a team like the Braves could really benefit from Marquez, you know, because they're, they're struggling a little bit in the early going. I think they could benefit from some more pitching, um, you know, I think maybe someone like Christian Pache in a package for uh, for someone like Marquez that could work. So, yeah, bottom line, though, if I'm if I'm the Rockies, you know, I'm I'm trying to rebuild. I'm trying to get as many young prospects as I can. And, uh, you know, we're looking towards the future. I think it makes complete sense there. Well, what you got? Kind of the same opinion as J-Roy, because this Rockies farm system is not good. And they did not acquire much of anything of decent value for Nolan Arenado. Um, by the way, thank you, Jeff Burdich, for Nolan Arenado and a free $50 million. I really appreciate it. Uh, anyway, so right now the Rockies have the 27th ranked farm system in baseball. And they only have one top 100 uh, prospect, Zach Veen, who was their ninth overall pick in the draft last year. Pretty much he's their only prospect worth much of anything. So kind of like what J-Roy was saying, you know, I feel like story being dealt has to be a must because he's a free agent this year. And the, if the Rockies don't get anything for Trevor Story, then that's kind of a problem. I think Marquez will be f- terrific somewhere else outside of course field. John Gray as well. Uh, maybe someone like Ryan McMahon could be dealt for some value. Uh, but this Rockies farm system is just so bad. They need a complete overhaul of the farm system if they really want to have any sort of future whatsoever. Thatcher. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with all of them here. I, my first thing would, of course, call around the league and see who puts together the best package for Story. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees threw up Glaber for him because they're they're in a winning year now, Like especially with them starting off so slow. I think a Story trade could definitely help them put the, impact their lineup and put them at the top of the AL East. And giving up Glaber would definitely help the Rockies and uh, Yankees on both parties. Now, Glaber is a valuable asset to both teams, but if that's what gets it done, then I would do it. And then, of course, Marquez and any other quality arms you can find on the Rockies. 
bound to bring back some decent prospects. Might not be like top 100 guys, but it could bring back some young teenagers that can help uh, explode your system better. And then I would eat majority of Blackman's salary and find anyone who's willing to take him. You're already giving up $50 million to trade away Arenado. I mean, you might as well eat up more money at this point. So I'd see who's interested in Blackman, especially maybe now the White Sox losing two of their outfielders to injury. They could be interested as well. So that's what I would do. Yeah, you look up and down that roster. There's a lot of guys who are just – they're either on bad contracts or they're at the end of their contracts. There's If you're the Rockies' next GM, you, you do not have a favorable position at all. And I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is just assessing the talent you have – and just finding a way to maximize what little value is still left in some of these guys. And that's kind of where they got to go on this one. Y'all made good arguments. I'll give the rookie and will the lead here so he can uh, get himself started on the right foot. And then we there can we see, go. we'll see how these next couple uh, questions go here. It might be, it might be going downhill from here, but who knows? <laughs> At least I gave you the good start though. That's all I can do. Hey, there you go. Let's go to inning number two here. The Pioneer League has announced it will have a home run derby to settle ties instead of extra innings. Now, given the fact that we know the Pioneer League is a sort of test league for Major League Baseball, what are your thoughts on seeing this in the future in Major League Baseball? We'll start with the winner, Will. See, I just don't understand why Major League Baseball really needs to shake up extra innings. Like last year, I understood the runner on second rule because they need to get a lot of games in in a short amount of time. So this was an effective way to get games done quickly. But the fact that they kept it this year is ridiculous because it is a terrible rule, especially for 162 games. You know, teams are going to get a lot of cheap wins out of this, which is going to come back to haunt a few teams that are going to miss out in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, for... A home, a home run derby to settle ties. Now, it does bring in entertainment value, which could be a route that Major League Baseball would be interested in. I don't think that they will consider this as a actual thing that they would change, but I do think that just testing it out for a year just to kind of see how it works, see what the fan reaction is, I don't think it's that much of a risk, especially for the Pioneer League, because as you said, it's just like a test league for Major League rules. So in the minor leagues, I think... It would be kind of fun, but for Major League, I would never see it happening. Thatcher? Yeah, I think it's a fun idea, but it should not be implemented into the MLB. Because, like, imagine if it's a Game 7 World Series that goes into extra innings and then it's decided about upon a home run derby. Like, that just kind of, like, bores the game for me at that point. It's like, you've got this exciting game seven between you don't know what team's going to win. It's back and forth. And then just home run derby and then someone has a bad swing and then that team lost World Series. And, I, and a lot of teams don't really build their rosters around only power hitters. So you're going to have a lot of teams having contact guys. Like imagine if it's based on who made the last out. So the Sox would have Nick Madrigal starting things off for the Thumbs. Like, <laughs> I love Nick Madrigal, but he's not a home run hitter. So they're basically probably lost that game because they have Nick Madrigal up against like the Yankees who have Stanton up or judge. And it's like, I don't also understand. It's like, how do, do they decide who's, how do they decide who's pitching and from where exactly? Is it like the MLB like home run derby where there's kind of lobbing them in there and it's just some, whoever they want to pitch. Or is it like, 
you pick someone from your bullpen to pitch or a starter or someone. And if it's actually from the 60 distant mound or whatever, but yeah, just again, I think it's a fun idea, but just overall keep it away from major league baseball. I don't appreciate the Nick Madrigal in the home run derby image. You just locked in my mind. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thatcher. Um, Jay Roy, what you got? Yeah, first of all, I'll just say the thought of Nick Madrigal in a home run derby is hilarious to me. I, I, it reminds me of like Ricky Weeks being in the home run derby a few years ago. Like that, that's just hilarious. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of this rule. I, I don't, I think that they're trying to do a little bit too much here. You know, for the record, I was not really opposed to the runner on second season. I thought it was kind of a fun, interesting thing, kind of resembled the NFL's, you know, kind of sudden death overtime thing. I wouldn't say I was necessarily a fan of it, but I did think that in the shortened season last year was a good thing to experiment with. I don't like the fact that it's still in the major leagues this season. I think, you know, it was a one-time experiment thing that was kind of okay. We don't really need to do it anymore. Uh, Yeah, but to go to then take this even further and be like, okay, we're going to do a home, uh, you know, a home run derby. Like, it just seems very extra. Seems like the Pioneer League's trying to do a little bit too much. You know, I really haven't been a fan of, a lot of the things they've been doing lately, like I don't think moving the mound back, like you know, obviously that's a separate issue, but I don't think that's a good idea either. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really not a fan of this. I'm gonna be honest, I was completely expecting Jay Roy to come in and be the complete contrarian here and say he loved it, <laughs> and I, I I'm completely disappointed by that. Um, and and for that reason, you can't get a point here because you disappointed me without even knowing it. Thatcher's gonna get the point because you mentally. It left me with Nick Madrigal hitting in a home run derby. And if that's not any reason to not have this league instituted, I don't know what is. So congratulations yeah, that on that one. That that. <laughs> the thought of having Nick Madrigal have to hit for the team to win a game with playoff ramifications is enough to deter me from ever wanting this rule to be implemented. I just don't understand why Major League Baseball would like consider such a gimmicky mm-hmm. rule in the first place. Like if you if that gets added in, like that's ruining integrity of the game at that point. Right. And I, yeah. I mean, the thing, too, you see, like with hockey, when they move to a shootout, they don't score it the same way. Like if you lose in a shootout, it's not the same way you lose in a game, like because they have so fundamentally changed the structure of yeah. the sport of hockey. They're like, we can't we can't. I, I what's the word I'm looking for? We can't basically pu- penalize you in the same way we penalize you for losing a no- game normally. And for Major League Baseball to even do this now with the runner on second rule, and then to take it a step further with a home run derby and say, okay, all these wins are, or all these losses are exactly the same, whether you lost in the ninth, in the tenth inning with the runners on, or, or in a home run derby, like now you're you're screwing with the integrity of the game. And kind of back on the topic of the hockey shootout, I think. Uh, Kasabi made a article kind of about this. Mm-hmm. If baseball in- incorporated the hockey point system where, you know, hockey has overtime losses. So with that shootout, I feel like teams are okay with losing in a shootout because they guarantee- they're right. guaranteed a point anyway, but it's not, but baseball's not like that. You know, if you lose, you lose, you're not, you don't get anything in return. Right. And especially I have to lose that way. Now that would be losing on a home run derby and you can get unlucky and have like the bottom part of your order come up or right. something. Mm-hmm. It, it would also kind of depend on how it works. Right. I think there's a lot to consider there, but I, at the same time, at the end of the day, if you're not going to fundamentally change how scoring or wins and losses go in baseball, like you can't so fundamentally change the game that 
home, a home run derby now is the same as losing a four, three nail biter in nine innings. Like that just will not compute with people. And yeah, this is what it comes down to. Yeah. I think that like, if that rule was implemented and it was around for a long enough time, I think like non home run hitters would just get phased out of the game. Yeah. Like who would want to sign, you know, a guy who, slugs less than like 500 every year like why would you want a guy who like you wouldn't you know so i i i don't i'm not a fan of it you're pushing in the wrong way you want the theatrics but at the same time you can't push people so far away they're like this is not baseball i think that's what it comes down to yeah let's move to inning three this will uh be a popular question for at least two of the people on this panel this evening this week there was some bad blood that boiled over between the cardinals and the phillies as Bryce Harper and Didi Gregorius, after, as Bryce Harper and, let me rephrase that, between the Cardinals and Phillies, as Bryce Harper and Didi Gregorius were hit by Cardinals pitcher Genesis Cabrera on consecutive pitches, Harper himself was hit in the face, as Jay Roy mentioned earlier. What are your takes on this situation? Should Cabrera have been thrown out? And what are the long-term impacts of this game, if any, between the two teams? We'll let the neutral observer Thatcher go first, and then we'll let the Phillies and Cardinals fan go at it and see what happens here. Thatcher, go ahead. So my take on this was that Cabrera is a known pitcher who struggles with command, and I don't think those hit-by-pitches were really intentional on his end. And you can see his reaction after he hit Harper. He realized the pitch hit Harper in the face. He was visibly upset himself in that he did not want to do that. And Bryce Harper himself said like he knows it was not intentional and he like called or texted Cabrera to let him know that like he knows like he didn't do that on purpose and like to help him mentally to like make sure he knows there's like no bad blood between the two sides there so I don't really think this will be any big like rivalry going forward between the two teams maybe if it like happens again maybe we start seeing some more blood start boiling between the two sides but overall, right now, I think it's kind of just like a heat of the moment issue between the two sides. Jay Roy, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really, you know, even keeled level of take, Thatcher. I, you know, it, obviously, I hate seeing stuff like that happen. You know, when Bryce got hit in the face, that's a terrible thing to happen to any player, especially if that happens, you know, my favorite player. But I, you know, I, I think the big, it's not really important whether it was intentional or not. I think it's indicative of a, a larger issue within the game. I don't think that the league has done a very good job of protecting hitters in the box. You know, I think this really became apparent like a couple years ago, or I guess it was last year, whenever, after that whole Astros thing, when everyone was like, like, yeah, we're going to go throw out the Astros. And it was obviously, regardless of what you think about the Astros, like, I don't think we should make it just completely okay to just be like, Oh, you broke some unwritten rule. Like we're going to throw at you. I, you know, we see so many injuries nowadays. Like, I don't know why we would want to risk more of those, but, and you know, pitchers throw harder than ever now. Like why do we want people throwing at an opposing hitters head shoulders, even like down low on them? Like I, I don't, I don't think it's a good thing, you know, and uh, I, you know, I think that Cabrera probably, you know, it's tough to say whether he should have gotten thrown out or not. I think once he hit DD afterwards, like he probably, I probably would have, you know, aired on the side of caution, thrown him out just cause like, you know, you, you, you want to protect the hitters. I think if you're going to air on the side one way or another, you want to be, you know, show like, okay, 
as a major league pitcher hurling a baseball 100 miles an hour that you cannot just you know you can't just throw out a, a major league hitter so uh that's kind of my take on it you know I like like Thatcher said I don't think it was super I don't really think it was intentional I just think it's kind of an unfortunate situation and uh I don't think it'll have a ton of long-term impact you know I think you know Bryce might get a little scared going in the box next time he plays the Cardinals but aside from that I I, I really don't want it to be you know a big thing I hope we can kind of forget about it maybe the league learns something from it and we don't have these kinds of incidents happen too often in the future. And Will? I think the big takeaway out of this is that this shows how bad the three batter minimum rule is because after Didi Gregorius got hit, Cabrera should have been pulled out of the game regardless, whether or not you believe he should have been ejected. But after he hit Gregorius, that should have been a sign that Cabrera should not be pitching in this game anymore. But of course he couldn't because he only faced two batters. So he had to face one more. And I, can't happen for that only. I don't know if the Phillies tied the game or not. But um, so I think that is an important part of it is the fact that it shows how bad the rule is. But I don't think there's any bad blood between the two teams because they just played their last series of the year. So they won't meet each other again unless they meet in the playoffs. Um, but as you know, they've said before, as much as I've seen Hennessy Cabrera before, as nasty as his stuff is, you know, he throws triple digits, but his control is a big issue. And that's been known for a long time. So it wasn't, I don't think it was intentional at all. I think it was just a freak accident. And even Mike Schilt himself said that, you know, a lot of people need to respect Bryce Harper and look up to him for going out, reaching out to Cabrera, letting him know everything's okay. Uh, so I don't think there's any bad blood. I think the Phillies hit Arenado the last game of the series to just kind of get it over with. So I think the whole ordeal is kind of over with, but I think there are some things that can come out of the situation. Like I've said before with like, this kind of just shows how bad the three batter minimum rule is. And that's kind of what I have to say. Will's going to get the point because I like the three batter minimum. Uh, the I guess awesome. slander on that. I think I think you're right. I think it's a very clear case of you know you want that guy out of the game at that point. If you're not going to yeah. throw him out, I don't need him hitting another guy and loading the bases and screwing me over. Yeah, it it, it affects both sides because as Jay Roy said, you know the league probably has to do a better job of protecting mm-hmm. the batters. And with this three batter minimum rule, you have a guy who cannot throw a baseball in the strike zone and he's already hit two stray batters. Right. So that only that already affects the team that's pitching because they just put two free runners on base. And now you're putting other hitters in harm. And it's not even just like, he's a guy who's wild and can't find the strike zone. It's he can't find the strike zone and he's hitting guys as a result. Like, yeah, you, you don't need three batters to figure that one out. Like, Mm-hmm. get him out of the game move on let's go let's not lose a ball game because of this and i think you bring up a very good point there nice of you guys to be so civil in this conversation too i'm so. not a bad cardinals fan i keep trying to tell all <laughs> i keep trying to tell all of you this i'm not a bad cardinals fan i am reasonable <laughs> i appreciate you both being very reasonable about this too i'm reasonable when i want to be <laughs> when it calls for you to be reasonable you are i appreciate that when all i have right. to get in front of the camera i'm <laughs> when I got to make sure you, when, when I'm on with you and you got to make sure to keep things in line, I hear you. I appreciate that about you, Jay Roy. Don't worry. I'm surprised you even had a Cardinals topic in here, Les. <laughs> hey, you know what? When I know who's on the panel, I got to make sure to keep it relevant as much <laughs> as I can, just in case. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey, that's why they pay you the big balls. Exactly. Exactly. Inning four. White Sox center fielder Luis Robert left Sunday's game with a right 
hip flexor strain. I had to think about how I was going to say that. Right hip flexor strain. While there is no specific timeline yet for his injury or his recovery, what does this injury do to the White Sox chances of playoff baseball this year, especially already after losing Eloy Jimenez? Now, your answer to this question might depend on how much you thought the Sox were going to be in the playoffs beforehand anyway, and I completely recognize that, but we'll start with the White Sox fan, Thatcher. So, yeah, I definitely think this injury hurts the White Sox going forward. Now, they do have two off days this upcoming week, but it definitely does hurt them because we don't know how long Robert's going to be out for. And Tony LaRusso said already he's going on the IL. So, and Luis Gonzalez is coming up as the replacement. Now, we, Luis Gonzalez has like had like no at bats in at the major league level. So, we really don't know how he's going to fare. And he was starting to heat up Robert. He was uh, playing a big factor in the lineup wherever he was hitting, whether it's the seven-hole or the two-hole, which he's mostly been seen at this year. And now Adam Engel is coming back soon, but and he will be able to like, play the defense missing from Robert in center field. Outfield. His bat won't be the same as Robert's. And so I had an idea that they do go out and trade for someone, a bat to help like replace this off- lack of offensive production they're going to be missing. And my candidates were, I've mentioned earlier, Charlie Blackman, Anthony Santander, Joey Gallo, maybe even Bryant, and Laz, your favorite, Mitch Hanninger. I am a huge Mitch Hanninger fan. I would do a lot of things to have Mitch Hanninger on the south side. But, yes, unfortunate that we even have to talk about this situation. Uh, Jay Roy. Yeah, so I was actually really, really high on the White Sox coming into the season. I actually picked them to be in the World Series. And, uh, you know, the injury bug has kind of got me reconsidering that a little bit. But, obviously, ultimately, that will depend how long Robert is out for. I, You know, I still think that this is a pretty strong roster. You know, Mercedes has obviously been – you know, killing, uh, lighting it up. Mankata's been playing well. Jose Abreu has not looked like his MVP self yet. And uh, Grandal, I think, has struggled a little bit. But I think those two will turn it around. They do have some pretty good arms that I, that I still am pretty confident in. I think in the early going, Kopech's been awesome. He's Right now he's striking out like 44% of hitters, I think. Uh, you know, Giolito, Lance Lynn, Keiko, I think that these guys are all really, really solid options. You know, I think honestly, I feel better about their pitching right now than I do about their hitting. Um, I think Thatcher said it was really interesting. I think if they go out and get a bat, they can mitigate a lot of a lot of the damage that's done here. And they'd be right back, right back in the swing of things. They could, you know, in a month, they could be leading the AL Central with a comfortable lead, you know. So I don't, I don't think White Sox fans should really panic too much as long as the front office makes a move or two. And I think Chris Bryant to, you know, the south side, as you said, would be, would be really cool to see. Santander is a really interesting one who I had not considered, but I think that would be another pretty good fit. I do think they have a lot of options. There's a lot of people they could go out and make a move for. So, uh, so I, yeah, I still, still say I'm pretty high on the White Sox. And Will. I too predicted the White Sox to be in the World Series. Uh, I'm still pretty confident in them. I also think it helps that they have a favorable division as well because, you know, maybe Kansas City can keep it up. I'm not sure. Cleveland is fairly average, but their pitching staff's all right. Detroit's Detroit. Minnesota's gotten off to a slow start, but they have a talent to kind of pick it back up. But I think what, you know, back to what Jero was saying, I think this pitching staff is really going to carry this team. 
because, you know, despite Giolito's kind of had two straight blow-up starts a little bit, but besides that, Giolito's been really good. Rodon and Lance Lynn both have, you know, FIPS around two, and also Rodon threw a no-hitter. Uh, Lance Lynn came back today, too, didn't he? Uh, he was back Saturday, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, he's back. Kopech's been amazing. Uh, but I think the offense really does need to pick it up. Only Mercedes and Tim Anderson have OPSs over 800 right now. Uh, Jose Bray is not looking like himself. So I kind of agree on the fact that I feel like if they get one bat sometime during the trade deadline, then it could really help because, you know, depending on the timeline of Robert, if you get another bat and Robert comes back, then I think you're kind of geared up for a run there. And you knew it was going to be a shift towards run prevention rather than run scoring. As soon as Jimenez went out way back when he started the year, I think it only takes it to another level. Um, each of you is going to get a point here. Thatcher, mentioning Mitch Hanniger is like a free point on this podcast at this point. And Jay Warren will both saying you pick the white Sox to go to the world series and are high on the team in general, completely arbitrary. And there you go. I'm the white Sox fan. And that's just how it's going to be. So hey, I'll, I'll take uh, it. I, I think you're all absolutely right though. I think, you know, with, with the pitching staff really holding its own and then some, it's going to be go get that bat to make sure that what has been a, fairly lackluster offense so far begins to start to pick it up um and that's if they don't 162 you're going to fizzle pretty fast especially if you got two of your top outfielders out two top players in the game at that inning five fact or fiction Mets fans should be worried about what their April performance means for the rest of the season if you are unfamiliar with how the Mets are doing currently they are 10 and 11. Now that's going to change one way or another based on the result of the Sunday night baseball game, but they are only a half game back in the NL East, but fans seem to be worried. Should they be? We will start with Phillies fan, Jay Ray. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of split on this question, but I'm going to lean. No, I don't think that they should be super worried. Uh, they've started off atrociously on, on offense, but I, I do think some of this will turn around pretty soon. You know, Nimmo, J.D. Davis, uh, and uh, Conforto have all been, you know, kind of okay for their standards, but I do think that uh, they'll, they'll all turn it around. Dom Smith's been good. You know, uh, I think that uh, the, the only true player that's been, like, abysmal is Lindor and I you know I've gone on record saying I don't think Francisco Lindor is that good of an offensive baseball player but he's going to turn around he's not going to continue to be 50 percent below league average and uh at the end of the day their pitching is what really really encourages me you know DeGrom's going to continue to be historic we really have we have zero reason to think otherwise Stroman's been Stroman's been all right so far you know uh Taiwan Walker Miguel Castro they've all been fine and Edwin Diaz is actually uh, looking more and more like uh, he was that great season when he was with the Mariners, when he was like, you know, arguably the best reliever in the, in the world. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about them, especially because the nationals are uh, not a good baseball team. The Phillies, by the way, Reese Hoskins just hit a three run home run in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game. This is insane. Okay. The Phillies, <laughs> just saying, the Phillies aren't that, aren't really a good baseball team. The Braves, who I actually picked to, picked to win the division, uh, have not looked super great so far. So I, you know, it's still anyone's division. And I think the Mets can still maybe even run away with the NL East. Thatcher? Yeah, I went with fiction on this one as well. 
just based on the fact that lots of teams struggle early in the season, like the uh, the other team in New York, the Yankees. Now, yeah, I didn't have the Mets winning the division either, uh, but I still think they will be fine. I had the Braves winning it, but I think they'll be fine. The standings are always wild to start the year, and even though Mets fans may be overrating their cold start, they will come around as a team and just put it all together and start playing competitive winning baseball again. Well, I have the opposite opinion. I do believe the Mets fans should be worried because this offense is awful. They are 13th in the National League in OPS, last in slugging, home runs, and doubles. Now, their pitching is good, but if their offense can't score any runs, what's good pitching going to help you? And I think the Braves are going to pick up the slack at some point, and I think the Braves' offense is just significantly better than the New York Mets right now. Mm-hmm. Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna, Albies, Swanson. I think the Braves are a deeper lineup than the Mets, and... You know, I think with what Jay Roy said, I don't think Lindor is going to be this bad, you know, throughout the whole season. But they only have three qualified hitters over 700 OPS right now, and it is not looking good for this offense. And if they can't score any runs for their pitching staff, then it's just going to be more losses for good pitching outings that are just being thrown to waste. And it's a testament, first of all, to even the pitching staff that they're still 10 and 11. They could have been 11 11, but. As J-Ray let us all know, they blew the lead in the bottom of the ninth inning. So, and what's so, funny is that usually the Mets is that the problem is that their bullpen stinks, their pitching stinks, and their offense is usually able to carry the slide. Mm-hmm. But it's the complete opposite this year. They're, I mean, aside from what literally just happened. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, the home run just got overturned, I believe. Yeah. The home run <laughs> just got overturned. On? This is yeah. a wild set of events right now. Yeah, so, what's going oh, on in this game? Oh, okay, well, Bryce, Bryce is up, so. <laughs> so anyway, so their bullpen has actually been good. Trevor May's been a solid addition. Miguel Castro's been a nice surprise. Edwin Diaz has come back nicely. So, you know, if the pitching is able to stay consistent and their offense is just able to pick it up just a little bit, then I think they'll be okay. But from how it looks right now and from what I – project the Braves to do in the next few months. I don't think this is a recipe for success for the Mets right now. So they did overturn the Homer. I want to get that clear. Yes, they did. I don't, I don't, it didn't really I don't look know what like happened. overturned yeah. to me, but. I don't know. It's eight to seven. I, I'm going to have to get, because of that. And that's why I asked, I have to give the point to J-Roy because just the wind of emotions he had to go through. And just that one question <laughs> is far too much to not, to not get a point there. And I, I'm sincerely sorry for what you just had to go through. Cause you were so excited when you started. Dude. Oh my gosh. It, he literally, t- it was like two outs bottom of the ninth, like, but, you know, Bryce is up now, so we'll see. Like, it's not faster yet. You were just Bryce so genuinely excited, and I feel bad that I, I got to give oh. you the point there. But I, I actually do kind of fall near the middle. I, I, I see exactly what Will's saying about the offense. I think when you see some of the usual sex, suspects, though, that are struggling, Confora being one of them, I think they'll be better. I think they'll probably fall to the sky-high expectations people had on them, which is just – the sky high expectations is what it is. Um, but at the same time, I think for them to be 10 and 11 without anybody really contributing on offense, I think is a testament to what, how good the staff might be. And, you know, once guys start to go back to career norms where they might be able to fall, I don't think it's an easy division by any stretch of the word though. 
Inning six. Once the minor league baseball season starts, Wander Franco will start in AAA for the Rays, according to multiple reports. Now, he is, of course, the top prospect in baseball, one of the few, if maybe the only, to ever get an 80 grade as a prospect. People love this guy and think he's going to be incredible. So the question, obviously, is how soon could we see him in the majors, and what does this mean for the future of a guy like Willie Adamas, who has been a state or mainstay for the Rays for a while, hasn't really lit it up this year. What does it mean for him? What does it mean for other guys on that roster? We'll start with Will. So, first off, I just want to say Willie Adamas is atrocious right now. I think his yeah. OPS is hovering a little bit around 500 right now. Uh, cannot hit a baseball for a lick. Uh, so, I think that Wander Franco getting time in AAA is going to help a lot because I don't know how much minor league experience he kind of has to begin with because he's already lost a season from last year, and he didn't come up last year when a lot of people thought he would. Uh, so I think him starting on play is going to be good for him. And honestly, I think him is good for the Rays because their offense as a whole is fairly average. Uh, I think Joey Wendell has Joey Wendell has been their best player this year. And I think he's severely underrated. Joey Wendell is a pretty damn good baseball player. Uh, but I think Wander Franco is going to be able to contribute better than what Willie Adamas has right now. Uh, but their offense as a whole kind of meh. So I think Willie Adamas or not Willie Thomas. Wander Franco's probably going to be able to contribute at some point this year. Jay Roy? Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I don't watch as much race baseball as I probably should, but yeah, Willie Thomas has been atrocious. You know, he's not walking. He's striking out a lot. Uh, you know, just not really much good there. He is a plus defender at the position, but still like, uh, even though he's been a mainstay for them last couple of years, I, I, you know, I think you want to get Wander up as soon as possible. I don't really see any reason to keep holding him down in AAA, you know. I think to get him some reps, you know, before potentially getting, you know, good, solid midseason reps before, you know, they might be in the postseason this year. So before he gets some, uh, gets to see some uh, really, really solid postseason pitching, I think, you know, bring this guy up. You know, this is this is historic for the entire league. Like, this is one of the best prospects we've ever seen. I think it just makes the league more fun. It makes uh, – uh, you know, I, I think it might give a little jolt to that Raiders offense too a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for bringing him up as soon as possible. And Thatcher. Yeah, I think the Rays will call him up as soon as they want to see him up there with their big league guys. I personally think they wait at least a full month of minor league ball to see like how he fares down in AAA before making any decisions. And I think he will see big league time this year because he's going to be a good player. He's the number one prospect in baseball. So now with Adamus, he has been bad this year, but he has proved he can be serviceable in the past. So I think they find a trade partner and get some random prospects back that will eventually become the next Willie Adamas for them. It's bound to happen with the Rays. The Rays call you and ask you for one of your players. You hang up the phone and ask why they want that player. (laughs) That's exactly what's going to happen. Natural. I got to give you the point on that. That's an incredible explanation for what's going to happen to Willie Adamas. And you're absolutely right on all three accounts though, that, you know, this is an exciting player. And I think this is someone who we should want to see as soon as possible. Jay Roy, did something just happen? 
Bryce just took a very questionable pitch, but they called it a ball. Thank goodness. <laughs> I thought that was strike three to end the game. I'm just watching the emotions flow through you as we record Ooh. this, and I'm enjoying this. That was definitely a strike. He just got saved. So. <laughs> oh, God. Inning seven. Let's wrap this one up here. Baseball will soon announce their AL and NL player of the month. Who would you choose, both at the position player and pitcher level? We will start with J-Roy. Okay, so on the AL side of things, you know, I feel like everyone is going to want to pick the best player, you know, of, the, of this generation. But I'm going to go with Byron Buxton. Buxton has been phenomenal. This guy is one of the most exciting players in the league. I've stayed in this guy forever, and so it's – it's finally, it's finally, it's awesome to just see things actually like pan out for him. You know, I think he's incredible for the game of baseball. I love watching him play. Oh, Bryce just went down. Game over. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Got to compose myself. Okay. So uh, for April, for March and April, Buxton slash 426, 466, 897. He's put up 2.4 wins above replacement in the early going. He's been an absolute statistical monster doing it in the field, on the base paths, and uh, in the batter's box, of course. So, yeah, I uh, definitely I, – I, I would give the award to uh, to Buxton. I think, you know, he's he's got a good shot at the MVP this year. You want me to go ahead and give NL? Yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah. So, NL, I'm going to go with Acuna. I think, I think, you know, I think Ronnie has been incredible in the early going. His ex-Loba is over 500 right now, which is wild. Uh, you know, he's uh, OPS well over 1.1 right now. He's put, you know, been worth two wins above replacement, which obviously is insane. And, uh, you know, I, I was tempted to give this to Bryant, but I actually think Acuna will sustain the success more likely over the course of the season than Bryant probably will. So, yeah, and I, I want to see Acuna get some love, so I'm going to go with him. Anything on the pitcher side? Or you just want to guess position players? Yeah, I was – oh, okay. We, you, we just do, wanting, you can do both. If you don't have both, that's fine. I was just asking. Oh, no. Uh, oh, okay. That's a good question. Uh, I, oh, well, uh, I mean, I know a pitcher of the month, I'd definitely go to Grom. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd go, I'd go to Grom over Corbin Burns pretty close, but I, yeah, I'll go with him. Uh, I, you know, he's been historic. I think you could argue this best start to a season. Maybe. I don't know if that's statistically accurate, but well, yeah, he, he just tied Nolan Ryan's record for the most through uh, like 55 Ks through how, I don't remember how many starts it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the AL side, who's been really good? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, if you say Carlos Rodon, you might get a point here. You know who's been awesome, Laz? Is Carlos Rodon. He's lighting it up. Okay, yeah, I just thought of Cole. Yeah, Cole's been really good. But, uh, yeah, Rodon, <laughs> you know, I think I'd give it to Rodon. I think he's been even better than Cole. You know, I actually was looking at his stats earlier because we, we had a White Sox question. He, he like legitimately, he's been great this year. I I don't think it's as clear cut in the AL, which is why I just kind of leaned you one way. Yeah. But. No, yeah. Cole came to mind and I was like, oh, yeah, he's been lighting it up. Yeah. I think Buxton's a great choice for AL MVP. I shouldn't say that before. I don't want to sway anyone else on this panel, so I'll let Will go next. 
Uh, so I did pick Byron Buxton as well. Not only is because he's doing really well, but MLB also never picks Mike Trout anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost bound to be Byron Buxton in the first place. I also picked Acuna for NL hitter. I did pick Corbin Burns for National League pitcher, and I put Shane Bieber for AL pitcher of the month. I think the most fun matchup is going to be whether it's DeGrom or Burns or someone other than those two in the NL. I think that's the least clear-cut one of them. Just the fact that Corbin Burns, I don't know if these stats are updated yet, but Baseball Reference currently says he has 49 strikeouts to no walks. I have Mm -hmm. no idea if that is correct, but that's nuts. (laughs) Right, to not have any... (laughs) No walks. Yeah. No walks. Let's just say three, four stars. I mean, God, any more than that. No walks in 29 and one-thirds innings so far. That's impressive. Thatcher, who are you picking? Right. Yeah, sorry, my internet just like froze on me. I don't know what happened, but you're good here. <laughs> okay, so it's like froze on my end. But for Ale, I gotta go with the bias pick. Your mean Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's my guy, and with the Sox being my favorite team, I've got to show some bias towards them. I will give nods to Buxton, Trout, JD Martinez, and Otani for. They've all put up great months this year and shown that they're all could be MVP candidate. And I got to go to Mercedes because he's just the random guy that probably won't win a month in his career again unless he continues raking this year. So let's give him the award. His trout, sorry, got a ton of them probably. So, and then <laughs> the NL, it was a tough call, but. I'm going with Bryce Harper. I was looking at his stats earlier, and I was actually very impressed with him. He's His OPS is currently at a 1,063. He's uh, got an OBP of 448, which is starting to look like he could be replicating his uh, MVP season from uh, 2015. And I have that in my notes here that I think if he keeps this up, he could be the favorite and for the MVP award and win his second. My other options were DeGrom and Acuna. So, but I just went with Bryce because I was really impressed with his stats this year so far. It probably, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if DeGrom, uh, well, no, I think they do. Well, I don't know if it's player and then pitcher. I don't know if a player, I don't know if a pitcher can win both pitcher and player of the month. I might be dumb on that. Well, pitcher of the month. Yeah. is easy for the NL DeGrom. And then for AL, I was thinking I was gonna go Rodon, but I don't want to be biased on both sides, so I'm gonna <laughs> go with the rival and uh, Shane Bieber. He's been yeah. lights out this year. He's basically been been unhittable, so I'm going with Bieber as the AL pitcher of the month. A lot of common names here. I think Buxton has been absolutely incredible. What what he saw we saw him do in 2020 was like, is that a flash in the pan type thing? Now he's doing it again, and he's doing it better than he was in 2020. Um, I, I think he probably wins it. The only other one I feel strongly about is I really th- do think it's going to be Corbin Burns. I, I don't think you can have a month where you literally do not walk a batter and not win any award for it. But I think for the most part between Harper and Acuna and Rodon, Cole, Bieber, is you got a lot of really good names, or especially on the pitcher side of things. I feel like, you know, as we walked through this first month of these podcasts, I think the top of conversation more often than not was, did you see what this pitcher did? Did you see what this pitcher did? And it, it makes it tough on hitters. So as you see these guys who from a position player side are really tearing it up, it's rather impressive, especially when like every week we're talking about position players or excuse me, pitchers. 
I really loved uh, Thatcher's pick of Bryce Harper because I feel like Bryce Harper is very underappreciated in the mm-hmm. game of baseball because I feel like everybody's like, I feel like everybody's motive is just hate Bryce Harper because he's Bryce Harper. <laughs> and they just don't, they just do not want to give him the credit he deserves because he is unbelievably good at baseball. He, he is. is unreal. And he's not getting the credit he deserves. And it makes me very mad. Yeah, I'm a big Bryce Harper fan. J-Roy, I hope that makes you a little bit happier having this conversation after a tough Phillies loss. <laughs> it does, you know. <laughs> you know, he walked and singled today. He got on base twice. I'll take it, you know. It's better. I mean, he that. just – he only gets on base. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's someone people love to hate, and I, I completely understand where you're coming from on And that. people hate him so much that he's so underrated. Right. Yeah, the broadcast actually put up a really interesting stat today. I didn't know this. He has seen – the least percentage of pitches in the strike zone since the start of 2019. Oh, really? Yeah. Makes sense. Teams fear him, as they should. Like, I I would not want – there's always the guy in every lineup you don't want to be the one that loses you the game. Whatever lineup Harper's in is always going to be him. Mm -hmm. You you do not want him to be the reason that you lose that game that evening. Um, It speaks to him as a player. Will, congratulations. First time on, you win. And that means and that means you have bragging rights for Diamond Digest. Wow. I'm surprised. Yeah, Will had three. Thatcher had oh, Thatcher also had three. You guys tied, actually. Let's go. I'll take a tie. J Roy, you had two, so you were just behind. Hey, don't feel too bad. First time on here, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I'll take a tie. That's my tie. The, my first win. As I well, was just going to say, I think Batch, that was your first one too. You've been on here a while. So congratulations yeah. on your first one as Thank well. Thank you. <laughs> Jerry, I'm sorry. I feel like I do something new every time. And, <laughs> hey. Poor it wasn't, I, it wasn't anything intentional this time. I, I, I tried. And, hey, J-Roy, you could have had the extra pick if you picked Carlos Rodon, but you didn't want to. Or did you? I mean, I kind of did. <laughs> he kind of did, but I'm like, yeah. eh. I don't like giving out a point for that one because I'm like, okay, I'd probably give it to the person who actually picked all the right winners. Uh-uh. But, <laughs> no, I can retroactively give you a point, J-Roy, if Carlos Rodon does win it. How does that sound? Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll hold you <laughs> to that last. You know, I will. absolutely. You can have it for one of the next episodes. How's do you, sound? do you have a record book of uh, wins in this? Has there ever been a tie? I don't have all of the records with me, but I think I think there have been ties. Okay. I'm I'm okay. pretty fast. There's, loose yeah, the there's got to be at least one. I'm pretty lenient with the scoring, despite what people may think. Cool. But let's move on to our final segment where we talk a little bit about what's coming up this week instead of just recapping the last week. So what to watch for? Everyone here is going to pick something that they're going to be watching, whether it's a specific matchup or you know, as a team that really hot, they want to watch or a team that's struggling. They want to see what happens this next week. So I will turn it over to these fine gentlemen and we'll start with the two winners. We'll go Will and then Thatcher. And then let's see what we got here. Uh, what I am watching for this week is very specific, but uh, the West Coast games this weekend are very enticing. We've got the Dodgers and Angels in Anaheim. We've got the Rays and Athletics in Oakland and then the Padres and the Giants in San Francisco. Uh, very competitive matchups of teams trying to fight for uh, first place in their divisions, especially the Padres and the Giants because they just played this past weekend. Uh, the Dodgers and the Angels are playing for the first time this year, and the Rays and Athletics, the battle of the Moneyball teams. 
should be very exciting. Some good matchups in there too, trying to figure out, you know, as we start to see who's going to separate from themselves, who's winning these ball games. So all those West Coast games, really good ones. Thatcher, what you watching? So I got an NL and AL series and one's at the beginning of the week and one's the weekend series. So for the beginning of the week, it's the Brewers versus Phillies, two teams that have both could be win- division winners this year. Brewers looking like the favorite so far in the NL Central. Phillies not far behind in the NL East. And even though the Brewers had a bad loss to the Dodgers, I think they still played a very well series against them, taking major- – I think they took the series from them. And so it's be interesting to see how the teams fare against each other. And then, of course, I'll be watching the White Sox and Royals series this upcoming weekend, which it could be, which would be a good series because it's a great chance for both teams to really solidify a uh, division lead over the other with it still being a tight race as the Royals currently only lead by one and a half games over the White Sox. So it'll be interesting to see if we start seeing a clear division winner out of that series. You start seeing how true the Royals really are as a competitor too. J-Roy, what you watching this week? So I'm going to be watching a player. So Jose Ramirez has had a really, really strong start to the season peripherals-wise, but it hasn't translated into a ton of on-field production. I think his luck's starting to turn around a little bit. He does have a 969 OPS, but he like he is way underperforming all of his expected metrics right now. He has a 435x Loba to a 371 Loba right now. That's like a 60-point difference. Obviously, we are in the early going, but I do think it's kind of interesting – uh, he's walking. Uh, he's striking out career lows while still maintaining a really good walk rate, hitting the ball hard. His savant page is red all over. So uh, I think that we, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple weeks here we, we start talking about Jose Ramirez in the MVP race again because uh, all the metrics show the fact that you know he he's raking. So I think uh, he's going to start finding some holes, and uh, you know he's pretty good with the glove always. So yeah, I. Th- you know, expect big things from Jose Ramirez the next few weeks. He's starting to heat it up. In other words, yeah. he went and played the White Sox, and yeah. that's usually <laughs> he, he did go for four. He had like one zero for four, and yeah. I'm like, all right, that was a nice little treat because that's not how it's going to end up. And I think he had a homer and a cup or another hit today, a couple yeah. walks, and yeah, anytime he comes to town, it's hit like by pitch. Yeah, yeah, don't let him be the one that beats you, and he always seems to find a way to beat you. So. I think it's a good point. I think Ramirez will be someone that, especially in that Indians lineup, is going to be a main piece of whether or not they even sniff 500 this year. Mm-hmm. So I really do feel bad for Jose Ramirez because for how mm-hmm. good he is, he just cannot seem to kind of be that good. Like, he's really good, but he just can't fit, stop finishing like third in MVP. Play. Yeah, <laughs> it's an underappreciated type of player. That's absolutely really true. is. Yeah, he uh, he's kind of like just like an oddball statistically. Like he's mm-hmm. all over the place, you know. Like he had that incredible 2018 season where he was like an eight-win player. And then the first half of 2019, he was god awful. And then the second half, he had like 165 weighted runs created plus or something. Like he was yeah. one of the best teams in the league the second half. And obviously, he had an MVP caliber season last year. And you know, I think he can put an, an an MVP caliber campaign together this year based on, you know, what he's doing so far. So yeah, we'll see. It's very unfortunate because last year was probably the best chance he could have had to win an MVP (laughs) because in a year where Mike Trout isn't in the conversation, that's your chance. 
and he no longer has that chance because Mike <laughs> Trout is back. Yeah, Mike I'm Trout sure. is certainly back when it comes to that. I think I, I I don't know. I think he's someone where you just gotta be like you, you gotta take the highs with the lows because you you mentioned it too, Jay, right? Like he's gonna be a streaky hitter at times, as all are, and it feels like his are a little bit more pronounced Dr- like dramatic yeah exactly you're either <laughs> super hot or you're super cold and there's no in between with jose ramirez but all very interesting things to watch like a lot of good games are going to be on this weekend we're hoping you're tuning in as well as we hope you're tuning in to the rest of the work we're doing at diamond digest whether it's our articles or the sunday night baseball uh high, hot mics we're, we're doing a lot of things and you know that's going to do it for us on this podcast but make sure you you, you tune on tune in when we're um doing this every week we're hoping to do this in maybe a live fashion sometime soon um so so we're really trying to add to this to a lot of the good content we're doing so again make sure to find us at diamond-digest.com and diamond underscore digest on twitter diamond dot digest on instagram i am still so surprised i have those all in line (laughs) no matter where you go there's a lot of good content there and you know, again, I think I mentioned last week, we added 30 writers. We've got a lot of great content pumping out right now. And as the season gets into its second month, you're going to want to be following our stuff here. So that's going to do it for us for this episode of This Week in Baseball. For Thatcher Zalewski, Jay Roy, Jonathan Roy, and the newcomer, Will Arvin. This is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, enjoy your week, and we will talk to you as always next week. See you soon.